Let's be turning back to our portion of scripture in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And we did read this one three weeks ago, on the three Sundays ago. We looked at thoughts from it last week as well. And we move again to the third point, and that's in the order of service. If you have one of these, you can find the outline if you have an order of service. Um, <clears throat> the other two points we've briefed down just to be one point, and dealing with the third point this morning, the reward of a good steward. We've looked at the requirements of a good steward. He must be conscious of his position. He must be compliant to his master. And he must be consistent as a steward. A steward is required to be faithful, as Corinthians tells us. We looked last week at the some of the responsibilities of a good steward. We need to be good stewards of our time. How have you gone this week? I remember years ago in a pastor's meeting we had once a month at that time there was one chap got up one pastor got up and he did a time management course for the pastors and they had to write down everything that they spent time on and where they wasted it where they used it wisely and you say oh that's getting a bit detailed I think God's going to give us an opportunity to give an account for all the time we've spent on earth one day, and we'll see that in our, even in our study today in the rewards. But God will hold us to account for the time that he's given us. And that's reality. That's truth. He's in charge. He's the boss. And so, <clears throat> good stewards of time. Let not, I'll start preaching again. Good stewards of talents, our gifts. All been given gifts, natural and spiritual gifts that we need to use. And when everybody... if Everybody uses that gift, things will happen. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You see, what usually takes place, it's like a factory. In a factory, 20% of the machinery does 80% of the work. That's the way, that's the average in a factory. Others, other things just sit and idle, they're like anchors and things, but 20%. And it happens in a church. It happens in a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But if 80% of the people did all of the work, or if 100% of the people did all the work, how much better a well-oiled machine the church is? It's, that's the reality of it. If everybody used their gifts, and, and God puts people in churches for that purpose, to, to pray, to teach, to minister, to serve. There's all these gifts that we have. And we need to use those. So there's the talents... The good stewards of talents, of time, and uh, testimony. <clears throat> good stewards of our testimony. We have a testimony in the area we live, the places we work, the places we go to school. We have a testimony. And if we went and asked, what, what do you think of you know, a non-Christian and where you are in your environment? How is it with them? What sort of testimony do, how, does that person have? I pray that it would be a good testimony <laughs> and not, well, you know, they call themselves Christians, but they slack off. They like going out for a big break, the boss says, and don't come back in. To, you know, all these things. We, we will give an account to the Lord for our testimony. <clears throat> God forbid uh, 
It was mentioned in adult class this morning. God forbid that we sin, but that we don't presume upon the grace of God. God, Good stewards of our treasures. And this is where some people get a little toey about. (laughs) We looked at the giving graciously to the Lord's work. Grace giving. That's all expanded there in the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. Give generously. Give generously. Give gladly. Or cheerfully, it says in the scripture. Give regularly, 1 Corinthians 16. Give gradedly, that is, as God hath prospered you, then give to the Lord's work, as God has prospered you. (laughs) How much do you think God has blessed you with? Remember the services we do on Christmas sometimes? The greatest gift. The greatest gift is God's Son to us. How much has he given us? He's given us everything we have, everything we are, everything we will be. It's God that's given, and I think we should give very gl- gladly and gratefully as God has blessed us. It's, it says that there be equality, and there not be uh, a burden upon certain people and not other people to give. That's what the scriptures state there in chapter eight of Second Corinthians. Give willingly, give not don't give grudgingly. That just <laughs> like the rich young ruler, give lovingly. If the gift is not given in love, it doesn't prosper at all. You know, we can, and 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of that. Give gratefully. Um, <clears throat> give of the first fruits of your increase, as the scriptures do say. That's the Old Testament principle in the book of Proverbs. Um, <clears throat> there's one passage that we didn't look at that I want to look at in this area. We move forward from that last week in giving. Let's go to the book of Malachi. We looked at the one in Haggai. That's chapter... 1 verses 4 through to 11, particularly verse 6. You put it in a bag with holes if we don't give to the Lord. Then there's Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, chapter 3. And because we're doing this in a series, we can just pick up where we left off and move forward. But Malachi, chapter 3, and verse 10. Well, let's start with verse 7. <laughs> Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, uh, in what wise have, shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Even the, this whole nation, he's talking of Israel, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you uh, the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? And it's true, it works. And we could have people come up and give testimony how that they've given and God has blessed in their work and ministry. But not really until we open the purse strings. And this is a challenge to the whole nation of Israel. It can be challenge in principle to us today. We will give an account of our stewardship of that which God has given us. And the last one we touched on last week but didn't look at Let's be a good steward of the gospel truth. Let's pray before we look at this one. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word and how it instructs us in the way of righteousness. And Lord, these things that you've so blessed us, each one with, may we use them for your glory and praise. For whatever we do, we are to do all to the glory of God. And I pray that we would. And Lord, thank you for each one that is here. And pray for those that are not able to make it for different reasons. Minister to their needs this morning. If there be sickness, that you'd raise them up. Lord, if there be other reasons that they have, that you would speak to their hearts for that. Lord, bless our missionaries in far-flung fields that we'll be meeting now and, and on into the day as they minister to their people that you've called into their pathway. Lord, there may be great blessings and your word would be shared and shared abroad. The seed be sown in many places. Bless them for your glory. We ask and pray this in the Lord Jesus' name at this time. Amen. <clears throat> be a good steward of the gospel truth in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2 and this is where we concluded last week Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2 the greatest gift that is given to us is the gospel truth that we are to share with other people it's our responsibility as stewards has God been speaking to you about someone in your life, it could be family member, it could be part of the firm the, where you work, part of the fellowship you come to as well. Has God been speaking to you and saying, you speak to that person, share the gospel, share the word with this individual? Uh, it's the greatest news. Have we been told to? Well, have we been commanded to do that? Yes, we have. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, go ye into all the world. You know, well, we're, that, that was Matthew. <laughs> Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. That's Acts 1 8, but then in Matthew 28 9 and 20. You know, go ye therefore into what? It's a command to go and share the gospel truth. You know, that's for everyone. <laughs> this is for all of us. Because if we have the gospel applied to our heart, our life, we're to share it with other people that haven't got it. What will it be like when judgment day comes and we're standing there and we see on the other side, just painting a picture, this is, you can think of it the way you want, but there on the other side you see someone you sat with, you worked with, you talked with, you, you ate with, you did things with, and they're going to be assigned to hell because we didn't tell them. Now we're all guilty, me too about being convicted about talking to someone and not doing what God... That's a, that's a thing, that's an ability we all have to share. And you see, God brings our way people he knows we can share that with. You know, if you're a fitter and machinist, or if you're a receptionist, if you're, there's pe people there you can minister to that we can't, you have contact with. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, in verse 1 of Ephesians 3... To you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me toward you. To make known the mystery, the gospel truth. To share it with other people. We have that responsibility. Acts 1.8, Matthew 28, we've all already referred to. We are debtors to share this with other people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 17, it reads... For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. 
Woe is me if I preach not the gospel, if I do it willingly have a reward, if against my will a dispensation uh, the gospel is committed unto me. We are guilty if we don't share the truth of the word of God. In other places he talks about the responsibility as reconcilers. We reconcile people unto God through the gospel that is shared with them. Because they're his enemies. We're all born enemies of God and we need to be reconciled to God. And we, we have that ministry of reconciliation. That stewardship of the gospel. Do we share it? Paul was very pointed about that. And with his own people. In Romans chapter 9 verse 1. Romans 10. And the gospel shared there. And, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Without a preacher, you say, I'm not a preacher. Yes, if you've got the gospel, you can preach the gospel to them. That is needed. Let's go on to the thought of to, for today, the reward of a good steward. We've seen the requirements, the responsibilities, and you can add others under, under the responsibilities. But then there's a reward of good stewards. There is a day of reckoning. There in Matthew's gospel, where you turn to and turned away from, but back in chapter 25... And verse 19, we read this. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. It's been a long time. <laughs> what could we say to date it's been in years to this time? 2,000 years. It's been almost 2,000 years since the Lord was here. And after a long time, the Lord's going to come, and it's still going on. He cometh and reckoneth. A day of reckoning. It's like the exam day. When you're in year 11 and 12 at school, remember those days? The day of reckoning. Did you study? <laughs> Did you do those assignments? Did you... <laughs> And students know all about that. And it's a day of reckoning. You know, you can, you can get past uh, by fudging some things, by messing around and fluffing around at school, but you won't get away on the day of reckoning. You're in a classroom. You can't take your phones in, I assume, today. We didn't have phones in our day. You can't write the, all the formulas up your arm because <laughs> they'll see you looking at them, all the equations. A day of reckoning. Hey, there's, there's no getting away with it. You'll be sitting before the Lord. We all will individually and a day of reckoning is going to come. One day we will meet God face to face. We, we sung that in the hymn this morning there. And there's no escaping this truth. In Hebrews 2 verse 3 we read, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And we think, oh, that's talking about non-Christians as not escaping the judgment of God. No, that's talking about Christians. In the context, you read it. Hebrews 2 verse 3. How shall we escape? If we neglect our salvation. Because there's a day of reckoning coming where we will sit, stand, stand, be, I think, before the Lord. No. No. What will we do? Bow. Where we will bow before the Lord. And that day of reckoning will be an awesome time. Frightening for some, pleasing to others. We must all stand before him. If you don't believe in a day of reckoning, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And it tells us right here, there is a day of reckoning. 
And this is particularly talking to Christians. Not talk, it's not talking to non-Christians in this one. We read, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. And that word is the beamer seat. It's a rewarding seat. It's a, a place where the Lord rewards servants, stewards, for service. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne. That's a, I pray that nobody here appears before the great white throne. Different place, different time, different subjects. A different reason for judgment. This is for Christians, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's talking about Christians. Good or bad. You say, wait a minute, I thought in heaven, yeah, this is just the start of it. This is just when we get there. This judgment takes place and we'll all stand. You won't escape. Knowing, therefore, verse, the next verse, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, you know, get the gospel out. But we're made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. God knows what's going on in our lives. And so we have that thought, and it's again given in Romans chapter 14. If we turn back to Romans chapter 14, a few pages, and see this mentioned again in verse 10. Of Romans 14. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The beamer seat. That's the Greek words that are used of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall... There it is, bow, not stand. (laughs) Bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us Christians shall give account of himself to God. Reckoning day. Reckoning day. You heard about the little fellow that was told by his dad to go and plant the corn? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he went out and he, he couldn't be, be bothered hoeing the row and putting the corn in at the right spaces. So he said, oh, we'll just dig a hole and put it all in one spot. But the day of accounting come when the rain came and the, the seeds germinated and what happened? Johnny, I'll say Johnny. <laughs> why are all the corn, why is it all coming up in one place? Day of reckoning. And we will give account to our Father in heaven as a day of reckoning. And Luke chapter 16, verse 2, it says, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Day of reckoning. And, and it's not before a human judge. We might fear going to the court and a human judge been in a few courtrooms seen a few judges anyway we'll leave the judgment to the Lord of the judges but this is God of the universe this is the one that spoke into existence the worlds the starry hosts this who flung the one that flung the worlds into place we will give an account and we'll stand before him 
and he will be our judge. All judgment has been committed to whom? It says in the Bible, to Jesus Christ. So there is a day of reckoning. A day of reckoning for believers and a day of reckoning for the unbelievers. If you go back to the account in Matthew 25 of the stewardship here, given in verse 24, and then he that received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew not that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strode. And down in verse 26, and his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I had not strode. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges and I and my coming received mine own with usury or interest. <clears throat> There's the unsaved person, the lazy person, the person that used all that they'd been given of God for themselves and heaped it upon themselves. And the book of Revelation very clearly puts the judgment day for unsaved people in chapter 20, verse 11 and 15, where the book was opened and the books were opened and God judged them according to their works and the things that were written in the books. All their accounts of all that they did for themselves and in this world and all their sin will be exposed before everybody on that day, a day of reckoning. And that's another whole topic of the judgment of the unsaved. It's called the great white throne judgment where everybody that's in the sea, that's been, that's been buried at sea, that's been buried in the earth or wherever are given a resurrected body and stand before Almighty God. A day of reckoning. <clears throat> Jesus recognises the good steward in verse 21. And praise the Lord for that. <laughs> His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. What a privilege for that. What a contrast to the unsaved person. Depart from me into everlasting fire, but here is it, enter into the joy of the Lord. And again, to the other one, the other steward that got less talents, and that's given where? In verse 23, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful seed. It doesn't matter of the quantity of talents. It's a matter of faithfulness in using the talents that you have. You have five or two or one. And, and that, that person, as you read there, seems to have re received the same reward in verse 21 and 23 as according to their faithfulness in using that. And the Lord recognizes the good steward in that verse. And Jesus rewards the good steward. There's a day of reckoning. There's the recognition of the good steward. And there's a reward of the good steward <laughs> that we've just read there. Be thou, what does it say in that verse? Ruler. Ruler. In both verse 21 and 23, ruler. Is that literal? Let's go to a few references. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. The Lord's introducing himself to John in the early chapter there of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. And let's read what it says there. He said, I'll find it. And hath made us kings and priests unto God, 
and his father. This is the Lord Jesus talking about us, his children, Christians. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He's made us kings and priests, believer priests, kings. We're not kings in this life. Don't try to be a king over, I'm not king of the castle. You know, the, children's do, the children do that, <laughs> but they soon get toppled. It's talking about another day and another place after rewarding. And kings, what do kings do? Rule. Kings rule. That's just a hint in that verse. Let's see some more pointed verses. Chapter 5 and verse 10 of Revelation. Where it's said, Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And it adds a little bit here. We shall reign, king's reign, on the earth. Facts that are given from the scriptures. Chapter 20 and verse 6 of the book of Revelation. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death that's spoken of back in verses uh, forward, sorry, in verses 11 to 15, the second death at the great white throne judgment on such the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years ruling and reigning these things are true you say well that's revelation okay let's go to 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12 and see this mentioned here hinted at in this portion of scripture 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12 where we read this if we suffer with him we shall also what reign with him if we deny him he will deny us you know the talents it's all these things that are mentioned they all tie together in scripture and it's in Matthew chapter 19 that we've been looking been looking at there the ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ so the promise here that he rewards his faithful stewards I'll make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of the Lord no sorrow, no tears, no suffering in that the cross may be heavy now but the rewards will be glorious later now let's think of some of these things that are, are said to be <clears throat> we've been in Revelation I think I should start before we go into this thought with Revelation chapter 4 and verses 10 to 11 because some people say well and, and what we're going to be looking at is crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament in different portions you say well if we get to heaven and we're rewarded with crowns and we stick one crown on how, can, how many crowns are you going to put on a head <laughs> one usually you have one on a head but putting five crowns as we read there are five mentioned in the New Testament that looks ridiculous <laughs> and so it would but let's read this chapter 4 of Revelation and verses 10 and 11. We read there, The four and twenty elders representative of the church fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their what? Crowns before the throne saying, Thou, the Lord Jesus, O Lord, are worthy to receive glory and honor and power 
for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasures they are and were created. It's something by which we can glorify the Lord. It's not something that we glorify ourselves with, with crowns on our head. It's something that we can glorify the Lord with as we receive these rewards. Now let's look at these crowns that are mentioned in the scripture. So just don't think that you're going to get there and walk, spruik around heaven with a, your chest stuck out saying, look at all my crowns, you know. <laughs> no, it's look at the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> look at he allowed me to do. Grace amazing that he saved my soul. He let me live and he saved my soul. He gave me new life and, and, and then he's rewarded me with ability to serve in eternity. Praise be to the Lord. Not me, not us, to him. All glory to the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9 <coughs> and reading from 24 to 27. It says... Know ye not that they who are in a race run all? You ever been in one of those races at school? Remember those <laughs> relay races and others we had? That, uh, maybe a church, Awana uh, races. We run all. They give, every, give it all you've got, but one receives the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Run the Christian race to obtain the prize. And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, something to rot and rust away. But we an incorruptible, a what? An incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I bring my body un and bring it into subjection, lest by any means I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's not ruin our testimony on the way. <laughs> Let's run and keep running and keep running until the race is done. When, when is the Christian race run for each of us? When you start pushing up daisies, <laughs> the, the race is over. When you put in the grave, the, that run till the end day. You say, well, I'm too old to run. But there's different ways you can run when you get older. <laughs> different abilities you have. You can pray. You can encourage. You can visit. You can do things and keep running the race. Not uncertainly, but fight with a definite purpose in mind. A incorruptible crown that will be given to you for faithfully exercising self-control and using your abilities for his glory there's one that is mentioned first peter the second one chapter 5 and verse 4 we could spend i think a time on every one of these a sermon on each one but we won't try to brief it first first peter 5 and verse 4 we read there now, when the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus, shall appear at his coming, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. A crown of glory for faithful stewardship. Faithful shepherding people in your care. I know it's talking to elders, to bishops there and pastors in the context, shepherds, oversights and feeding and elders it's all mentioned but there when he the shepherd shall appear he sh ye shall receive a crown of glory what about being faithful for those under your your care stewardship a crown of glory james let's go to the book of james a bit earlier chapter 1 and verse 12 and see another that's mentioned here this is called the crown of life james 1:12 blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, judgment day, reckoning day, he shall receive a crown of 
life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so a crown of life for being faithful and enduring temptation and trials in this life and not quitting and not throwing in the towel and not giving up. Faithfulness under trial and temptation. Um, second chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 10. It also talks about this crown there in Revelation 2 and verse 10. We read there, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The same one mentioned there. For those that suffer and endure the suffering and we don't go through like they have and are doing in, te- in trials and temptations in other countries but <clears throat> you can think of those that have been burnt at the stake and they're given opportunity recant, recant and you get out of this you know, give up the truth is what they're saying and you'll get off the stake and they say no I'll go right through but others couldn't endure than temptation they lose out on the crown of life doesn't say they lose their salvation but certainly they would lose their testimony and lose their crown the fifth the fourth crown let's turn to second timothy second timothy 4 and verse 8 i like this one <laughs> second timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 you see why I like this one when we get there. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 8 reads, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And this is given a different name, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but unto all them that what? Love is appearing. You know why I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> I love his appearing. Are you, I'm going to say dying to, are you dying to see the Lord Jesus? You're really wanting to see the Lord. Yep. Out of here. Out of this place. You say, I'm enjoying it too much. Well, the Lord take that joy away and give you a desire to be with him, which is far better. Philippians says that. Down here, there's all the trials, yes. But this is accumulating these crowns that we will cast at his feet and give him more glory. You see, the purpose of these, as we started with, is not for our glory. It's to give him the praise and glory and just exalt him. Can you imagine the, the songs of praises when this happens in heaven? And we're rewarded. <clears throat> I have sat down uh, like maths but doing a bit of a calculation of how many people will be saved eventually and make up the fullness of the Gentiles the number of people that are saved in the church age now a a small percentage of the big population but when you add that over 2,000 years and then you sit down and say well how long would it take to judge all these people at the Bemis seat like we've been talking about How long will it take for each one to get up and the next one and the next one and go through the works? And um, 
if you if you just say the 70 million Christians in China just now, that's what they've estimated. And then you add up all the all the other countries, and and for 2,000 years, and then you get get the uh, how long will it take? <laughs> and it's a matter of just brief bits of seconds for every individual. But you see, time is not of the essence in eternity. Time's not like it down here. You know, you know how when something happens as bad, it seems like it takes eternity for a long time for the ambulance to get here when someone's having a heart attack you know how long you took so oh honey it took two minutes well it seemed like an eternity and on judgment day when we stand before the lord and 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 we haven't been good stewards of god's word of, of you know the service we've been rent given it'll seem like what it'll seem like an eternity but if it's a time of great reward and we receive these crowns that we've been talking about, it'll, it'll be a great time to hear, enter thou into the joy of the Lord and to have those, re and uh, time, yep, you, you go figure it out anyway. <laughs> and, and think through these things, meditate upon them. Give yourself wholly to them, Paul said to Timothy. These are truths that are timeless. They go on for eternity. And so the last one we consider is the, in Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Crown of righteousness, the last one, looking for his coming. Uh, that reminds me, and I'll go past it on the way, and in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour Jesus. Looking for it. Someone said to me after I preached a sermon on it at a family camp, do you really think so? <laughs> And I thought, I thought to myself, what are they hoping for? <laughs> what are they looking forward to? You know, when, when children are looking forward to something, that it seems like it takes forever to get here. <laughs> like going to camp or Christmas or something like that. Adults, it's a different thing. But we, as God's children, look for the blessed hope and glorious. And I couldn't see why people were not excited. And I quoted this verse to that individual, looking for it waiting for it and oh boy as you look around you say wow you know look it's happening in the world i pray that coronavirus they get on top of it soon so it's uh it, it, it had an effect has anyone died in australia from that yet someone just died in another country from it it was italy i think but hundreds are dying now a day from that in the affected areas hundreds and and you think that's going to happen en masse according to the scripture, those sort of things. You read the book of Revelation, you start in chapter 6 and start reading through it. And the horrors, the horrors of it. People say it's already happened. No, it hasn't. It's never happened like it's going to happen. We look for up and out of here. <laughs> there used to be a song that used to, I think there's the airway that the airlines are closed down, up, up and away with ants. TAA was <laughs> and I used to think yeah mine's not with TAA mine's with the Lord <laughs> up up and away <laughs> and um, when you get in the jet and it goes along the thing and it belts uh, you know and they sit pushes you back in the seat you can imagine being in a rocket going straight up but that's enough and, and just soaring up into the air but this will be 
so far so quick in the twinkling of an eye and you won't have time to say no I can't do <laughs> change your mind and you can't do anything about it you see it's it's the reverse of gravity isn't it where the Lord just takes us into his presence and look for that look for that time I could dwell all day on that one we'll leave it let's go to the next one where were we first first Thessalonians and I think of you see I get back to it all the things that will happen on earth when that happens where Christians are taken away oh, can I just start to imagine all the things that will transpire but first Thessalonians 2 verse 19 and this is the, th- the fifth and last one we're looking at this morning And verse 20 as well. Verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of of rejoicing? The fifth one. Are not even ye, he's talking to the Thessalonians, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. (laughs) So the crown of rejoicing. It's pretty logical, isn't it? That when we get to heaven and there we see a brother or a sister that's been saved through our sowing the seed in their heart. <laughs> we sing a song about that. I think it's in the, in the Wilds book there. That about, you know, going up to the person that's, that's been, that was the one that talked to us. It might have been a mother, it might have been a father, it might have been a, an auntie and uncle, a pastor or a camp leader that told us and showed us the way of salvation, a preacher, an evangelist, and say, oh, thank you, thank you. And they will be our crown of rejoicing. But ask the question, is there anyone that will be in heaven because of my testimony? Can I think back in my life? You know, we might have, might have, been, we might have been part of the, the influence upon them, other people, you know, Paul sowed uh, polis watered and god gave the increase but will there be someone in heaven because here it says a crown of rejoicing will be given to those who have won souls to the lord jesus and they'll be in heaven for eternity because of our sowing the seed we can't save people i know it talks about you know um, those that sow seeds it's in the book of proverbs somewhere is it not he that yeah he that winneth souls is wise And that's sowing the seed and let God's word and his Holy Spirit do the work in their life. And Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, even in there, yeah, the Old Testament. Daniel, I'll read this one and and verse 3. It's talking about those that sow the seed of the word of God in the lives of other people. I'll get to it. Verse 3. Well, verse 2 put it in context many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth they've died shall awake not all of them but many of them shall awake that's resurrection some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt saved and unsaved and they that will or that be wise shall shine in the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever that's what the Bible says. Shine as stars forever and ever. It's a crown given of rejoicing for faithful service, for testifying to others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, my dearly beloved, 
and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You think of that and Paul in his life as a Christian. He got saved a little later in life. He might have been in his 20s, 30, I'd say 30s, 30s, because he was a teacher. And then Jews, the Jews, yep, they had to be that age. And so he was saved that age. But can you imagine how many are going to be in heaven because of his personal testimony to them? Read the book of Acts, start in chapter 9, and read the, t the towns and the cities and the places all over Turkey that he went to, and then up into Europe where he went, on foot, on foot, walking, being robbed by robbers and everything else that shipwrecked, beaten. But still there'll be multitudes in heaven and they'll be able to say, he was the one that come to our town. He's the one that testified. He's the one that saved. And maybe you're here this morning and someone's brought you to church. Someone's invited you to come. Someone's rung you up and said, come to church. And you're not saved. And it will bring great joy to them if today you believed on the Lord Jesus. Would it not? It'd bring joy to all of us. Hey, the angels rejoice. What about us? <laughs> hey, baby, they're good. Somewhere <laughs> there's an amen. Praise the Lord that someone told us of the gospel and there will be a crown of rejoicing for those that did there's some truth and as i said cast our crowns before his feet a wonderful day it will be won't it we won't look at the rest we've probably run out of time yep <laughs> always run out of time ah praise god for eternity there will not be time time limits to sermons we'll have african time in eternity where the sermon goes for three hours. <laughs> no, yeah, Philip's laughing back there. <laughs> you like Australia with short sermons? No, no. <laughs> Jim has gone like that. <laughs> but praise the Lord for eternity and time just to enjoy the Lord and to be with him. Hey, folks, but as stewards, let's do the right thing here, that the rewards will be a blessing to give back to the Lord in eternity. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement it can be for us to do right and to do right when the stars fall, do right when the friends fail, do right at all costs because one day there is a day of rewards for stewards and we are all stewards in some way or another. Let us be faithful stewards and good stewards and let us all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when you come. Thank you for forgiving us and cleansing us and making us your children and then giving an opportunity to be stewards. Uh, bless each one today as we go out and become the stewards you want us to be. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.